Alright. Um, I don't know how to introduce this. <laughs> Particularly. Alright, so my, my name's Adam. Uh, I've got Jules. And I'm Tim. I'm Duke. My name is Jeff. Our, our, our guest speaker for the very first episode of what we're going to call the Drop Panda podcast or show. Spectacular. Spectacular. We'll, 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 we'll work that out down the line. The Drop Panda. Yeah. Um, Jeff is our special guest for this evening. He's been uh, kind enough to donate his... Uh, donate. Loan us his apartment for the, for the afternoon. Uh, probably a good question is... We're a podcast. And uh, <laughs> we're from Australia. Woo! Um... So, what, what this podcast is going to be about is we're a group of guys from Melbourne, Australia, um, and we want to talk about nerdy pop culture stuff in, what are we talking about, movies, games, comics, TV, film. Yeah, and yeah. assorted other things. Occasionally, yeah. porn. Porn as well, if you like Maybe. it. Maybe. Occasionally. Not if if Pop culture, by all means. Whatever, whatever weird stuff happens in the week. I guess we'll start off with... I don't know. Introductions. Introductions. Okay, so... I don't know. My, my name's Adam. I used to host the Panda Podcast. Um, I'll, I'll leave a link somewhere. It's kind of dead right now, but you can listen to that or you can listen to this. This is probably potentially much better than the Panda Podcast. Subscribe to it if you want, but I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> yeah, really, we'll lose any potential viewers. Yeah. Right. This is only episode one. Welcome. Oh. Welcome to episode one. Hopefully you join us for later episodes. Uh, so I'm Jules, I, um, this is my first podcast, uh, I'm a long time podcast listener, but um, yeah, okay, so uh, my special interest is generally games, uh, but I love movies and I love talking about all sorts of pop culture stuff, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's my angle. Yeah, uh, I'm Tim, my interests generally are, let's see, uh, Bit of everything, like comics, games, uh, movies. Recently gotten back into anime and manga and all that kind of stuff, so yeah, bit all around up. That's me. Duke? I'm Duke. I'm a film student, so I'm going to talk about film, probably, the most. I don't know much about comics, but I'll dive in where I can. Um, we'll, we'll try to educate you on the way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. you can teach me the ways. Um, I'm Jeff. I'm guest speaker for today. Um, and my main interest in terms of pop culture will be anime, manga, some movies, comics, and some games. Yeah? Yeah. I guess the first thing we should start off is, just to, just to kick things off, the first episode is, uh, Avengers coming out in April, right? April? Yeah. 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 End of April. April. I, you know, b- before I even talk about Avengers, let, let's start off in saying, we've, we've got a good month in movies, you know? Do we? Deadpool right after. Deadpool? Yes. We've got Pacific Rumors out. Ready Player One comes out, came out yesterday in Australia. Yeah. So we we got a good lineup of movies. Wow. Um, so what? <laughs> this is probably like a little rare, but we've all seen a, a Marvel movie here, right, guys? Come yeah. on, come on. Yep. We all know Avengers is coming out next month. Yeah. My little pet peeve is that that movie, as like hype as it is, has like seven different trailers out. Prop seven. They put like TV spots and full trailers together. Like. Guys, come on! I like I'm sold in watching the movie. I don't want a million trailers in my YouTube feed. It's probably gonna be like if I compile it up, it's probably gonna be like 20 minutes of the movie anyway. So what gets me is that there are now teaser trailers to announce when trailers right. are gonna be dropping yeah. in the following week. Like, is that necessary? Because 
like, again, I'm with you. I, I get hyped up for the particular movies that I know that I'm going to want to see. And, like, honestly, in terms of Avengers, all the other movies, all the other Marvel movies to date have been trailers for that film to a certain extent. How many movies do we have on that lineup? Uh, 20-something. Over 20, yeah. Jesus. And sometimes they have a teaser to a teaser. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Like, yeah, that's just inexcusable. <laughs> How like, far down the rabbit hole do you want to go with this? This is like, if, if, you, if you work in marketing, please tell us why this is a thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like this is a, a frequently talked about topic amongst, because it does annoy most people, which is making me wonder why it is a thing. Because, like, I feel like most people, when, they, when a trailer's dropped and you just get a full trailer, that's a lot more bloody exciting yeah. than getting some, like, studio logo telling you that they're going to give you a teaser yeah. in five days like that's more like annoying than anything right like i remember like remember like a month or two before the actual trailer came out there were all those fucking memes there's like everything everyone wanted the damn um infinity war trailer and then it finally comes out and then right after that like probably no sooner than a week or two there's another trailer and it's just constant teaser trailers just to be specific about like avengers we got a teaser for that movie Six movies ago, <laughs> yeah, in like an end credit scene with Thanos, like yeah. this isn't even spoiler at this point. If you haven't seen like what movie was it in? Avengers One, like go go, go see Avengers One. Yeah, like yeah, that's interesting because like yeah, I was so young when they came out, yeah. and now like all this time later, it's still a thing. Like we're talking about sneak peeks. Yeah, the same thing. I, I feel like the exact, it's it's not just Avengers, it's happened with like superhero movies in general. Like I remember Spider-Man Homecoming, that first trailer, how they end it with the boat scene, where he's trying to hold it all together. If they didn't do a single fucking trailer after that, that would have been so fucking great. And then like, the very next trailer, there's the next bit, there's the resolution to that scene. So yeah. you, go, you go to the movies and you see it, and you already know exactly what's going to happen, because you've seen the trailers. I think with, because um, Thor Ragnarok, that, that hype has kind of died down, right? A lot of people have gone out and said that if Hulk wasn't in that trailer, that would have been a lot better. That movie would have been a lot better. Mm. Yeah. It's just like the whole thing. It's like that Hulk um, concept nowadays with like TV and movies and especially with comic adaptations. They don't know how to keep any secrets these days. It's always like a reveal in some way. It's like, hey, this is going to happen, so don't go away at all in like a few weeks. Like say Constantine with Legends of Tomorrow and stuff like that. Right, so it's not even, you're saying not even just movies, just TV as well. Yeah, just the whole thing. TV's not as bad. Like, I'll find that a, a high-stakes show that's got a lot of hype behind it will totally release a one-minute sneak peek that'll show, you know, fuck all. Whereas, like, a really good example of that is, it's not exactly a show that's watched by, like, quadrillions of people, but Better Call Saul is, like, a really popular series, and if you look at the trailers for that, it's like someone at a restaurant opening a register, and then it's like... Gus Fring, and then they just say better call Saul. So I feel like yeah. TV operates in a different way. Like even the Game of Thrones trailers are like kind of limited. Maybe it's, it's just superhero movies. Who knows? It's interesting with TV because before a season of TV comes out, you'll get a season trailer, which will give you a bit of. I actually don't know how much they'll reveal, but probably only the first couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah, they, that. yeah. That's all they do. Um, and then like. And then, like, there's this tradition in TV of, you know, next week on whatever. And not, not all shows do this, obviously, but... Um, next time on. Exactly, like, 
which obviously my favourite is Arrested Development because there's always <laughs> oh, really? scenes that never actually <laughs> occurred, yeah. which is amazing. Just little but um, yeah, yeah, just a little yeah. tag at the end. But um, I feel like you know the TV in terms of like modern TV shows, um, it's it doesn't seem always necessary to do a sort of next week on because a lot of yeah, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. in. Especially with Netflix and stuff, you're probably binging it anyway, so you're just going to skip right across to the next episode yeah. immediately. But like for weekly series, it's it's interesting um, because it'll be a 30 second spot for a you know 40 minute episode, whereas a film is a bunch of 60 second spots for a, you know two hour film. And the ratio there, maybe there's something in that that's that's like it, it changes the dynamic a little bit as well. Mm. When you say like TV as well, I think it depends on the franchise. Yeah. Because Solo is coming out in November, but there has been like very little hype towards that movie. Yeah, I feel like that's good. Yeah. Like, do you think, like Duke, do you think when Star Wars Last Jedi came out and all that stuff in Rogue One, how do you think the marketing was for that? Like trailer wise, compared to all those big superhero movies releasing a trailer every week. Yeah, they're, they're not flawless, but they're definitely more... I don't, I don't know how to explain it. You're, I feel like they are. They were more risky. Like, I think both trailers for, like, first Force Awakens and then Last Jedi, and also Rogue One, I don't... I can't remember anything overly significant they revealed. Yeah. It, like, was there... Can you guys think of something from a trailer that was, like, that you, like, blew it from those films? Definitely. I think definitely Batman vs Superman. They fucking gave away the whole plot for that. Yeah, but That's so, like, but with the Star Wars one, no, because like just, they're, they're doing an alright job just ships flying and people getting shot and stuff like that you also gotta consider that Star Wars is also owned by Disney now yeah and Disney yeah. owns Marvel now yeah, that's true. so they probably have the same marketing team yeah, maybe definitely. I'm assuming potentially I, I feel like they I, do it better with Star Wars though I feel like they'd be doing the exact same mistakes though yeah as like yeah like the Marvel trailers and the Star Wars trailers would be like pretty damn similar with their approach because they aren't now like it's more minimalist with Star Wars, where it's Marvel, they, just, they tend to give away like a lot of the crucial scenes. So it feels like there would be, they, it feels like it'd be pretty much the same kind of, um, the same kind of trailer format across the board if it was the same market. It's like, I'm just wondering, because like, I feel like with Star Wars, especially, I feel like they aim more for the fans of Star Wars. Right. Where Marvel aims for the general, like, populace. Yeah. Because, like, with like, everyone, everyone knows Marvel now. Like, everyone. Even my, like, Godmother knows Star Wars like um Marvel now. They know who the Avengers are. It's sort of weird actually. Yeah. But like um not everyone knows exactly what's going on in Star Wars. But they know of Star Wars. Yeah, uh, everyone knows of Star Wars, but no one knows what's going on in Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I feel like they aimed at more of a different audience. Do you think yeah. Marvel or the superhero genre has outgrown that Star Wars fandom in like popularity in um, amount wise yes I believe but like, uh, for me I feel like um, with Star Wars like they aim for the actual fans that are already there like they are like um, teasing for yeah, the fans yeah that's true that's true and I feel like with Marvel they're just trying to like tease towards everyone whereas like get get as much people knowing about it as possible and make the biggest sales possible whereas like Star Wars like we're making this for the Star Wars fans it's already established, yeah. so you, they don't have to. Yeah, they don't have to know all the yeah, stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. how I feel about it. It's not like Star Wars doing anything new as well. Yeah, the, guy just the Last Jedi does heaps new. You reckon? I, I thought so. You got the Porgs. 
That's about it. So last year was pretty ballsy because like it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm gonna cook this a little bit. But it full on like goes out of its way to try explain the force and how it's like spiritual and it's like a feeling of yeah, the connectedness to everything. That was weird. Those jump cuts. Those are weird. It was it was kind of amazing though, like an understanding of recognizing the darkness in the world and the lightness and like it, it's kind of out there I found which I found yeah. really refreshing like it's kind of arty for you know a 200 million dollar movie yeah yeah there's definitely an element of like it's not clean cut good versus evil in The Last Jedi where like I'm thinking particularly of the scene where the, that thief character who yes that was remember, amazing yeah, he, yeah. he's showing oh, them images yeah. oh, this is this is who the weapons dealers are dealing with we've got the Empire obviously or the, the um, this, what are they called? The Sith. No. No, they're not. It's oh, it's the yeah. new. Yeah. I don't know. The bad guys. <laughs> the bad guys. The first order? The first order. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even a big Star Wars fan. So they're dealing with the first order, but they're also dealing with the, the rebels. So yeah. the these weapons dealers, are, it's all about the money, you know? Um, so there's this element of like. And where is that on the whiteness to darkness yeah, exactly. scale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they didn't really it's show that. They didn't really show that in the previous movies. No, not at all. Yeah. It's it's always very like, oh, right. this is the good side of the force. Didn't actually think about that. Holy crap. The film's also, I, I think I quite like about it, is it, it actually does hint at quite a few, like, interesting things, but it doesn't, like, overcook them and overexplain them. Like, that's a film that follows all these flagship characters from this new franchise, and then it ends on like a random boy in a stable. I think it's a stable. Yeah. Kind of, so yeah. it's, it's kind of addressing that for the first time out of any of these films, that the Force can be existent within anyone. It doesn't have to be mm. your Luke Skywalker's or whatever. And like, what a, what a way to move in another direction. Like, well, and, and Ryan, Ryan Johnson did it. Maybe it's just, I just dropped it. Is it, yeah. <laughs> in saying that, is it I, Ryan or Ryan Johnson? I still it, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Ryan. Yeah, me too, but I'm also <laughs> sure we'll find out. There's an amazing, like, he, it, he, so. he tweeted once a link to a YouTube video, which was like, how to pronounce this name. And it's just a dude going, Johnson. <laughs> it's like, this is definitely it. But well, I'm back to the topic of yeah, the trailers. Back, we, 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 like, segue oh, yeah, way into, shit, like, Star Wars talk. <laughs> but um, I want to say there's also another trend happening which isn't commonplace, and I don't know if it ever will be, but this idea of the secret movie drop where um, particularly the Cloverfield films oh, yeah. have sort of just come out of nowhere, and it's J.J. Abrams going, like, this is mystery box stuff, right? Yeah. But he's like... Um, There'll be a movie release, like he, he dropped a trailer for, what was the last one? The Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, the Cloverfield Paradox during the Super Bowl, and then it was like, it's out now on Netflix. You can watch it straight after the game. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, wow. There was no hype. There was no marketing until that moment. And then, you know, obviously a lot of people watched the Super Bowl and went, oh, now I've got something else to do after <laughs> this game. Clicked over to Netflix, and, and then I there. was available yeah. immediately. Oh, and and there was no... The, yeah. yeah. So so this is potentially, like, the direct opposite of the yes. trailer sort of system, where it's like, let's just pull something out of nowhere and, and see how it goes. Like, how do you guys feel about that? That's, that's interesting, because I think it depends on the medium as well. With... You know, when we talk about movies, we've got posters and billboards. Everywhere. But with Netflix, it's a bit more still in a niche demographic. Like, you'll see ads for Netflix shows mainly on YouTube ads. But 
I don't, maybe it's just me, but I don't see them on billboards and stuff. Like, I think the biggest one right now is Altered Carbon. Um, and that's a pretty big show. I'm sure they've been making that for a while now. Um, I was actually thinking that on the way here, I see more billboards and, and like, bus posters for Stan than for Netflix. Yeah. For those yeah, international... Stan in Australia is going off. Yeah, for the international... Like, Stan is an Australian service pretty much like Netflix and and they have their own catalogue of TV shows and some original Australian content and you it's see good. ads for them everywhere um, whereas I don't see very many ads for Netflix shows and stuff I think we should also point out that everyone has Netflix here right? yes yeah. what? yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck you yeah. this is Petflix Petflix is that what you're into? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but so I think it's just depending on the medium the Cloverfield one's very you know very specific because mm. we like it's JJ Abrams he has a name to his he has a brand to his name mm. Cloverfield has a reputation and like you said it's a secret movie like at least yeah. someone would have heard about it or leaked it up by now or something along those lines yeah, it's really strange huh. I do have something uh, another trailer thing that pisses me off and this is a re- this is a really new one I'll be interested to hear what you guys think so it's based off like the meme culture of Facebook where when you're scrolling down your oh, news right. feed there's videos will just pop up and they're usually in like four three aspect ratio and it's just kind of like a way and then and they've got text so so uh, that you can yeah. hear what you can read what the characters are saying without even having your volume on and then I guess if you like the text then you'll unmute the video. So I'm seeing movie trailers now cut down to like minutes long in these little four three aspect ratios, not even full HD, but they're released by studios with text. And I think it's the most unattractive way to market oh, yeah. a film I've ever seen. And it's a, it's a thing too, like it's not that like... Sounds, that sounds very forceful. It's just, it yeah, sounds it's, really damn lazy, like they But just, it's a thing, like they're doing it. Yeah, like and they're just pandering to the social media kind well, Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, also, yeah, it was, it's yeah. also representing how much social media, the way you consume social media changes the way you find out about things. And, and like, if they didn't do it, then probably a fan would have. Do you know what I mean? Like, if the studio doesn't release that that memeified version of the trailer, then potentially it would have happened anyway. So okay, that's a good point. Yeah, You're right. Like, People would cut it down and fuck with it. So that's interesting as well. Like, I think I don't like it either. I don't. I don't find it attractive. But it's also I can see where it comes from and how it's happened. Yeah. And how the studios can think, oh yeah, this is a really great idea for for reaching out to people who wouldn't necessarily go to YouTube to watch a trailer. Yeah, okay, you're right. It obviously works, that's why it's an increasing trend. Okay. I, like, I, I hadn't even heard of it until just then, so I'd say... Oh, really? Okay. No, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> so, like... But do you use Facebook? Yeah, I use Facebook. You know what Facebook is, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, because I, I probably use Facebook and YouTube in equal measure, but, like... Really? Oh, probably. But, like, um, I'd never heard of that method, whereas, you know, like, I'd always hear about, oh... This trailer's going to be hitting soon, and I'll go straight to YouTube just to watch it. So I don't think, I don't know, do you guys see that method taking over? Like, well, I think with that, more... as much as I joke about Tim not having Facebook, um, it depends on who, like, what groups and stuff you like, and the friends that you do have. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you would see, even if you don't like a particular group, your friends could, and that shows up on your feed. Yeah. So it depends on what kind of person you are on Facebook. Well, my topic is based on, uh, basically I've been reading a, a shit ton of comics lately. I've just been kind of thinking, well just reading in general, just been kind of thinking about uh, like what um, like what my favourite, like the writers I'm interested in the most at the moment. 
or people that have been getting interested in um, reading their work, so particularly like Alan Moore and all that kind of thing. So I was just wondering, like, what kind of stuff are you guys reading about, like, right now? Like, what writers are interesting you, or um, like, say, TV writing or screenplays or stuff like that? So this is really a big thing in comics, while well, well in comics still. DC Metal is an event happening in the DC yeah. Universe. And really, exactly, just Scott Snyder stuff that's, and how that's some of the stuff I'm actually I'm about to I'm going to be reading that Batman. He's got a soon. so Scott Scott Snyder is a a, um, a comic book writer. Um, the way he's approaching DC Metal is apparently going to change. It's another one of those things that it's going to change the entire DC universe again. But this, I, I'm sure I say this every time, but I feel like this time it's going to be a lot more interesting because they're promoting a whole bunch of new characters out of it. You got a guy who's like I think he's called Savage. He looks like Hulk had a baby with abomination. Wow. <laughs> it's, All right. a, it's a weird way of putting it, but plus, his name is Savage. Plus, they're also uh, I don't know if this is out of Dark Knight's metal or just in general, but they're also bringing back the Sandman universe in DC, which I'm really fucking excited for. Yeah, it's being yes. yes. <laughs> Jeff just had a yes, really Jeff. Jeff had a reaction I to know. that. <laughs> I was excited was too. Yeah, it's being it's being headed by uh, Neil Gaiman and Jim Lee. And it's like four miniseries, just like oh, four not miniseries, but four series based on that universe, which I'm pretty damn excited for as well. So okay, yeah. so uh, like for me, Neil Gaiman is a big name in writing, especially for comic books. But he goes across all mediums. Yeah. So he did a movie. He's, well. he's yeah. done a few. He's done a couple of movies. He's done Beowulf. Coraline was based on his work. He did an- a bit of anime um, as well. Yeah. He did anime. Yeah, he did the he did one of the Ghibli movies. I can't remember which one. He did the he wrote the screenplay. Yeah, no, no, he wrote the translation for yeah. Princess Mononoke. Yeah, that's oh, okay. it's uh, it's interesting. I feel like the comics world has more of a cult of personality around writers than other media. I think for film, you look at directors, right? Like you don't necessarily look at the writer. Um, TV shows, maybe writers, yeah. but, but also the stars, like the people who you see on screen uh, will draw you to a TV show. But for comic books, um, you've got the art as well, but for me, I feel like the writer's name is a big deal in a comic book. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, they're literally the ones who write out, like, they don't just write the dialogue, they write out what each panel is going to look like. Yep. So, so what's the interesting, what was, the other uh, angle to this is also, we get, um, there's a lot of chatter online about the Marvel movies and how uh, the Marvel studio seems to have a lot of uh, creative control over those films, and, and they end up feeling a bit samey sometimes. Um, whereas, we don't hear about that necessarily with comic books, it feels like the comic book creators, the writers, have a bit more creative freedom than, than you might expect when there's a big sort of company behind it. Does that ring true for you guys? Or One more day. <laughs> okay, talk about that. Well, I mean, you you, you I can't just drop it and not explain it. Well, I haven't even read it yet, but um, it's like probably, from what I've heard, it's like the most controversial Spider-Man story. Basically killed the marriage between Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Um, written by... Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, yeah, yeah. JMS, yeah, JMS, and um, who uh, I'm pretty sure also wrote a whole bunch of really iconic like 2000s Spider-Man stories. But then 
got that dropped on him as a editorial mandate. Um, so, so, do you yeah. want to talk about what happened? Do you do you know what happened? Basically, yeah. So I don't know what happens. Oh, it's, um, Aunt May gets either shot or something like that. Like basically, yeah, on her deathbed, pretty much about to die. So, um, Peter Parker goes and makes a deal with uh, Morpheus, basically the Marvel's Marvel's equivalent of the Devil, um, to bring her back at the cost of his marriage. Basically, retcons all those events. Yeah. It, and it literally rewinds yeah. time yeah, to a point much. where he's not married. Yeah, and it's still pretty damn controversial to this day. I, I think I've heard of this, but do, doesn't don't they have a kid in that timeline? No. That's no. That um, a couple of years ago they made us they made a series called uh, what was it? Like Your last vows or something? No, was like, renew your vows, which yeah. is it's an alternate universe though, but like this um, where the whole Spider-Man marriage is still going on. Probably, yeah, probably just after all the complaints over the years, which still happen pretty damn regularly, just to like hold your um, even yeah. though like a lot of the hype around it was that yes, it was a terrible, annoying, and crappy event, but some of the stories that came out after it were actually legitimately good. So, yeah, the brand new day stuff, I, I've heard good things, but like I haven't read a lot of them myself, so can't really speak to it. But, but yeah, again, it's editorial mandate. Um, forcing a decision on a creative um, which I was just saying you don't hear about too much in comics but I think a lot of the big crossover events they, they do work that way in terms of individuals don't necessarily get a chance to have full creative control over their characters well because the whole writing. universe though they have to like yeah no they, they have, have to, to make sure collaborate yeah, with other people they have to make sure like everyone's shoes together so like you know like the company have to make sure like an event in the main crossover series doesn't contradict. Use, yeah, everything's all in order and stuff. We're going to talk about sort of different style of writing, obviously. Yeah. Um, I've just looked this up now. This is one of the weirdest like uh, collaborative efforts on a screenplay I've heard of. So, one of my favourite writers is Terence Winter, who obviously worked um, on Sopranos and he, then he headlined Boardwalk Empire and then Wolf of Wall Street. All right. oh. So, he's quite... He's, he's pretty awesome. Um, but he's writing the new Scarface movie with Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh, oh, shit. And with this other bloke, Jonathan Herman, who did Straight Outta Compton. But it's mainly those three that... That's interesting, because... That's an interesting collaboration. Jo- yeah, Joel and Ethan Cohen yeah. do their own movies pretty much all the time. Yeah. But they... To give a bit of reference to those who might not know. Like well, what movies they've done. Joel and Ethan Cohen. Yeah. No Country for Old Men. Fargo. Fargo. Big Lebowski. Wait, yeah, the whole, a whole bunch. He catalogue of really, really good, interesting films, yeah. But then, unfortunately, the guy that's directing it did Olympus Has Fallen. Oh, no, he produced that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that better or worse? You sounded disappointed there. Uh, he directed The Magnificent Seven, which is kind of fun. Uh, no, he also, he did direct Olympus Has Fallen. Okay, uh, shit. Scarface so Has Fallen. Scarface, so, yeah. Nah, he might be great. Oh, it's interesting, like... I, I don't know how to feel about that because you've got you've got a, a really incredible writing team and then a director yeah. who you don't really necessarily like a workhorse director like someone who can put something on screen yeah but doesn't have a distinct visual style. It's interesting that he's attached to yeah. that. Yeah, totally. Team. Yeah. Mm. So mm. moving on, do we have anything else to say on that topic of writers? And Anyone else have a good writer in mind? Anyone reading anything? I think there's heaps. I just don't at this point in time have someone that. I think well, it's I, I put it this way: if a writer's attached to a film, like what writers' names under the the sort of film uh, title in comparison to the director? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, would you would you go to see it and say, hey, that's that's like um, oh, who was what's the name of the guy who did Dean John Malkovich those films? I, oh, Spike. Yeah, yeah. He's a director, but the writer was. Oh, it wasn't him. Yeah, he wrote her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Spike Jones wrote. Um, that's a good movie. Dang. I, it's a great this movie. would be a really interesting discussion if I could remember names. <laughs> I know what you mean. For me, for me, Terrence Winter is one. It's like, the, okay. their writer has a style that you follow through despite the fact that they're often... Hmm. It's actually a director that's not them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a director that's not them. <laughs> English, which you can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, like, like I was saying before, definitely in film, you definitely look at the director's name first. Yeah. And that, that's what's going to draw you like, if you don't know anything else about the project, you're definitely going to be like, oh, what's Quentin Tarantino doing lately? And that's that's going to bring people... More so well, than... Tarantino although Tarantino does, does right. Apparently well, injury obviously. in the firm and... He did that ages ago. Have you seen that wow. video, though? Have you seen the actual video? Of her stacking? Yeah. I think in I the did. car? It, yeah. That, that was like a serious car crash. And, yeah. like, the controversy is he made her do it. She had to be behind the wheel... Of a modified car and run into a tree. You should yeah. be taking lessons from Harvey Weinstein. <sighs> and then you're just like, just don't take no for an answer. We're not gonna go there. Let's move on. We're not gonna go there. So, my topic I wanted to talk about, just because I've been playing a lot of it, was Far Cry 5. Has anybody picked it up or had a look at it? I haven't yet, but Far I haven't never played a Far Cry game. game series. You haven't played a Far Cry I haven't played a Far Cry game. Interesting. I don't, I don't really you, you know what they are. I know what they are. So Far Cry 5 is much like uh, Assassin's Creed, a, a game series I keep going back to even though I don't always enjoy them. Like, yeah. um, But I enjoy like the, I guess, the uh, design, sort of the broad design outline, which is that it's an open world game. It's a sandbox for you to play around in and use the tools that they provide in order to shoot people in the face. So um, Far Cry 5, I think is very good at the shoot people in the face stuff. <laughs> and not much else. And not much else. Like, yeah. uh, it, the problem that I have with it is that the structure of the gameplay is that you'll explore around an area and do little do activities. And the activities will contribute to a resistance, like, um, resistance meter for a particular area. There are three sort of different areas. Um, and... And then once you get to a certain point on the resistance meter, it just, it, it literally what happens is that the leader of that area will gas you and take you away. And there's nothing you can do about it. So like the open worldness that you've been enjoying this entire time is just completely cut short by this event that you have no control over, which really frustrates me. Like I'm the type of gamer, if I were to sort of say, um, my favourite sort of style of games. I like games that give you freedom to choose what you're going to do at any given time. Like, um, the games that frustrate me the most are games that are, I feel like are on railroads. And like, right. you don't have much choice in really how you proceed, proceed. So you don't like linear games at all? No, I'm not, not into it. And like, you know, I've tried to play um, Uncharted series and I just don't enjoy it. And I feel like they don't different even reward want systems. Sorry? They're different reward systems, I find. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, and I feel way more rewarded when I make a decision um, to shoot a person in the face in a different <laughs> way. And, 
And, and like, you know, but like a game which which says, hey, you've got this particular type of gun or this particular scenario, and then and this person is the person that you need to shoot. Um, do it any way you want. Do it. What? Like, I mean, there there are two different ways to go about that as a game designer. I guess it's like there's one where it's like get that person dead, however way you want it. Yeah. Or there's a. <laughs> Uh, or there's the the sort of like here's the gun, here's the target, and and here's where you need to stand, and here's like, um, so mm. so like I don't mind if the story is linear, right? Like I don't mind if if um, the events that occur aren't necessarily under my control, but I do mind when when like I can't make any sort of decision about how to move to the next sort of. It's, it's 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 sort of subtle difference, but um, yeah, I feel like Far Cry Five does so much great stuff in its open world, and then it robs you of all that freedom at key moments where it's like, I would rather be, I would rather just have the freedom to like, when I want to encounter the big bad in this area, I'll be allowed to go there at any time and do that when yeah. I feel prepared to do that. So. On that, I don't, I'm not sure if it's like an opposing concept or the same concept, but didn't there was a game that came out a couple of years ago? I think it was Borderlands, where you had choices in the game. You made choices in the game. Towards the end of the game, it's the same ending, regardless of what choices you've made. I'm I'm not sure if it was Borderlands, like thinking about it, but there was a really big complaint about this one game um, that did that. The biggest one that I can think of was Mass Effect. It was Mass Effect. Three, yeah. It was Mass Effect. My bad. Where, where the you, you ended up, like, it's, you, obviously it's an RPG and you can make all these choices about your character and stuff. Actually, the latest Mass Effect was really bad for this, where yeah. every choice, it, it, it gave you the illusion of choice, which is worse, right? Like, yeah. it'd say, hey, um, there are two paths here, but really, or, or there are two ways you can, you can respond to a certain NPC, but in reality you'd be doing the same thing regardless. Yeah. You know, like, it, 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 it wasn't really satisfying to have that decision to make in the first place. But yeah, there was a big controversy around Mass Effect 3's ending because it didn't, it didn't satisfy um, any of what had been built up through the whole series up to that point. That's weird, though, because you don't actually know that until the end of the game. Right. So the entire game is... Not to say that the entire game is an illusion... But you won't, you know, unless you actually read a review or watch someone play it yeah. to the end, you think that this this is a pretty good game. I get to make choices for myself. Yeah. And, yeah. oh, towards this, the end, it's... In particular, for that, like, Mass Effect was like, this is my shepherd, right? Like, this is the way that I play. They, they're they able to do this particular sort of thing, you know, in, in the combat and stuff. And then that, that feeds into the... RPG conversation mechanics where it's like my shepherd has this attitude towards people and my shepherd wants to help people and my shepherd is a bit of a dick you know like there's this idea that you inhabit that character and that's that's RPGs right like that's how they're meant to work um, but yeah when when the choice ends up being robbed from you or, or becomes an illusion then it feels like you don't have that connection to that character anymore maybe that's just how I think who wants to hear an unpopular opinion on what are, what are those games? What are they? 
What's the actual? What would you call those? The games that do that. So the games that actually give you multiple choice and you can play it like two times and have a different experience. Uh, there are a few different genres that, like, I'm particularly RPG. talking about RPGs or open world games. All right. So an open world game that gives you different choices so that you could like have a different narrative twice. So you could play a story in two different ways. I get the appeal. For me, it's kind of funny because I, I find it just tiring. Because like, if I can get through a game once, then I'm proud of myself. Yeah. But if I have to then go back and do it again to feel like I can see it all over, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 on the same I'm on the same side. Like I I'm more of a linear guy. I like my linear games. Open world games. I feel like there are too many choices. Too much effort. <laughs> I think I, this is a problem that I have had in the past with like especially the Assassin's Creed games, where you go up to a um, eagle's nest and then look yeah. out on the map and then it gives you 2,000 icons. Yeah, and you're like, fuck oh, that. Yeah, you're not wrong. And, and and I think Far Cry 5 actually balances that out really well because you mm -hmm. don't get all that stuff all at once. It's mostly just like you go to a person, an NPC, and they're like, hey, uh, go over there and do this for me. Um, and so it, it's more of a drip feed rather than overwhelming. They have always balanced it pretty well, actually, because I have usually gotten three most Far Cry games. Mm. I was going to say, uh, just to change the subject, what, um, this is just Ubisoft games in general, what do you think of um, like the kind of copy and paste approach to games? Because like, I've pretty yeah. much fallen off Far Cry. I didn't bother with Primal. I played 4 and it was just like, well, shit, this is basically 3.5. Like, if I was going to replay a Far Cry game, it'd probably be 2. Just Two's how, great. How different? Because I saw this video recently. It's um, comparing Far Cry 3 and 2, or 4 and 2. And, um, like, 3 and 4 is just, like, this big open, open world sandbox that you can just fuck around in, mm. just do whatever. But at the same time, it's very much, like, pretty much the same as Assassin's Creed. Like, you go, you open up past the map with, like, yeah. by you know, radio tower. It's the same thing with Watch Dogs. I played Watch Dogs, and it's like, you go into, um, uh -huh. I'm like, oh, there's no towers. That's pretty cool, but I can't see the map still. And you, all you do is walk into a building with, um, and turn the power on. That's it. That's the equivalent of the climbing the towers in, in, um, with Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs got so much hype towards that game. I played like five minutes of it and I was bored. I actually managed to complete the whole damn thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, the first Watch Dogs uh, didn't get... I, I got through about half of it. Uh, Watch Dogs 2 I was excited for, but I There was still, a 2? Yeah. 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 There was yeah. a 2. Early <laughs> <laughs> is better, yeah. It is good. Uh, I still haven't played too much of it, though. Like, I don't know. There's, there is a, an element of, of um, very same-sameness with all these open-world Ubisoft games um, that... That is a bit. Um, I don't know. It, it does. It does make it a bit repetitive to play through them. But again, like, um, you know, it's it's there's also like comfort food, right? It's like pizza. Yeah. It's it's for me. It's always good, even if it it's if it's mm -hmm. a bit like it's the same as the last piece that I had. You know, I don't always have to have something new, fresh and new. And Far Cry Five, to its credit, and and the Far Cry series in general does change up the formula enough. You could, yeah, you could argue that it's either copy and paste, but I feel like when I look at the development of their games, particularly Far Cry, it's more like they're building their character and they've found, like, they've, like, found their design. Like, they've got to free and they've realised that this has been our most popular format mm. and let's... Um, but it's kind of like, how much is enough development? 
Well, like, yeah, at some point, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so my topic, I want to talk about if we look at recent films like this year or last year, or whatever. Because I recently, it came out. We, me and a friend saw it really late, but Get Out. Um, uh, I don't know if everyone's seen that. We should go watch it. Very good. Great film. So I wanted to, to ask the question, and this will come with some spoilers, I think. But what are some of our favourite recent plot twists, and what actually makes a good one? Because I find that there's plot twists that feel lazy, but one like the, the one from Get Out, like a good one, is can be devastating. Like it can completely change yeah. how you watch a film. So before I answer that question, is Get Out the one that was directed by the guy from Peel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Peel. Kim and Peel. I keep getting them mixed <laughs> up. Kim Peel. That's racist. It's Jordan Peel. Jordan Peel. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it goes back to the whole trailers thing I talked about before where um, I haven't seen that. Like, I watched a lot of movies last year. I feel like I did mm-hmm. normally. But not any of them gave me that mind-boggling yes. yeah. plot twist feeling where I, 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 this is not a boring movie anymore. Yeah, that's why I want to ask the question because... I don't see it often. Like, the one that get it and get out surprised me so much because it felt fresh. And then I wondered, I think maybe that's just because often people don't do them well enough. Yeah. I feel like um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan kind of made a joke of it. <laughs> he like, cooked it. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he overdid it and it became a thing that people tried to avoid to avoid being that kind of director, maybe. I don't right. know. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Like, I, I think plot twists were a bigger thing in the past. And, yeah, they have sort of fallen off in more recent years. Can you say that people have gone lazy, or... That, that, I feel like that could be, like, taken as an offence, and I don't mean that. Is it laziness in some sense, or are people going a different... Plot twists? Yeah, or are people going a different direction in that art style? I think that the... the re- <laughs> well, I think I'll kind of answer my own question, in, and that might answer that. I think the reason I like Get Out's one so much, and why I want to ask, like, what makes a good one, is it's a balance between doing something that you can't even remotely predict that after it's happened is the only thing that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So if you watch Get Out, I'm trying to... Do you reckon I'd blow it or not? I, 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 might, I might want to watch it. I want to yeah. see it. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to see I, it. I want to blow it. Eventually. But, but there's a, the twist in Get Out is like the kind of... the It's like it's what makes the film memorable and takes it to that next level. And if you didn't have it, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't go to that next level. Um... But it's also something that in the first half of the film, most audiences, I'd say 90%, have got no idea how hectic it's going to actually get. Yeah, um, there was one, I will say, that I saw recently in a Netflix TV series yeah. that probably nobody's watched and nobody will probably ever watch. What is it? Uh, the, the Good <laughs> Place. Which I've never super, heard of it. it looks, <laughs> Go for it. It looks super lame. And I was like, I'm going to put this on... It's got um uh it's got that chick from Veronica Mars um the, the girl who plays Veronica Mars Veronica Mars oh. it it looks really you look at it and it's like super cheesy but to set up the whole story um she's died and gone to some sort of afterlife and she's told up front by Becca what's his name uh Ted Danson who plays <laughs> who plays um a character called Michael um. That that you're in a good place. Uh, you've you've made it. You've done well enough in your life. That and it's very rare for for humans to arrive in this place. And then she, her character, uh, Kristen Bell, 
actually, she's well aware that she doesn't deserve to be in this place, right? Like, everybody else around her are, like, super philanthropists and they have done a lot of good in the world and in, during their lifetimes. But she was just a regular, if, if perhaps even below average, on the morality scale sort of person, right? And so the whole arc of the first season is her trying to figure out what it is that makes a person good and she's got the help of uh, a moral philosopher who's educating her on like all these moral philosophies throughout the ages. Um, and, and so there's this intellectual side of it as well which appeals to me. But then what we find out in the very last episode of the first season is that Michael has been lying to her the whole time. She figures it out because um, she's in a room with a group of her um, fellow humans, um, ex-humans, I guess, and they're all arguing at each other. And then she sort of has this light bulb moment where she's like, this is hell. This is actually the worst. This is not the good place oh, at all. Wow. And then Ted Danson turns around and goes, ah, you finally figured it out. And, and so the entire first season has yeah. been this angel character, but in actuality he is the devil. Like, he's actually an architect of the evildoers, like the evil, the bad place people, and he's trying this new thing where humans are, their, are each other's hell. Um, and Holy it, and shit! That's a great one! It reframes the entire oh, wow. first season of this show. It's like 20 episodes or something that, like, <laughs> you're thinking one oh, way, and then at the end, it's completely different. And it's... And is that why it's the idea that it was all really these wow. stuff are actually, like, greedy, excessive douchebags? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um... Yeah, yeah, none of them... They're actually only the four um, actual humans, and everybody else in this little town were, um, were agents of the devil. Sort of thing. So they're all putting on a charade to make them feel like they shouldn't belong there, sort of thing. It was, it's really interesting. And, and like, I didn't expect it from this. That is absolutely an awesome it's, It was wild. Now, because, like, mind. once you've, once you've <laughs> said that now, like, you, you got me hooked halfway, and then you, like, yeah. said how it ended, so yeah, no, now, now, now I'm not going to watch, like, start from season two, yeah. But I mean, but I mean, I think it, it is worth watching, even with. Even knowing that twist ending, because you can track all the ways that this isn't what he seems to be. Yeah, yeah um, that's because the way you were, like you just pretty much just said. That's what I think a good plot twist should always have its like its root in the actual like mm. in the events leading up to it. You should be able to go back yes. and see all the hints right away. Like I recently, like I recently watched Prestige. The first time. Oh, for the first time. First time. I don't know why it took me so long, but I finally watched it a couple weeks ago. How was that movie? Like two thousand and six. It was right after yeah. Nolan did Batman Begins. So um Good movie. But yeah, and like I was looking back at it and it's like Michael Caine literally gives away the plot twist the whole time throughout the movie, like, oh he's using a double, oh he does this, he shows her ha, holy how shit, it's he done. He shows the um the girl how it's done at the start of the movie, gives the plot twist away constantly. And then at the end it's like, Oh shit, like, you know. Like, huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm go back and watch that movie again. Yeah. And like you said, like like you were saying with the good place, like it's like she doesn't 
big shoes you're born here. Like when you were saying that concept, I'm like, man, it's probably friggin' hell. Or like yeah. Because there's so many hints. Like, so that's yeah. what I mean by it. Like, yeah. When it happens, it should feel like the it should, only thing it that should could feel, have actually happened. Yeah, it yeah. should feel subtle enough that you're not going to um, expect it the first time around. And then you, when you watch it again, all the hints are there right yeah. in your face. Which is why they're so hard to do. Because that's yeah. a hard thing to do. It's yeah. It's difficult. Like I, I'm sort of very lenient on like movies. Like um, there's like some I don't watch. I'm not biggest movie addict. I'll say because like I just want to watch movies if someone recommends it or like I'm like oh that looks cool, but I don't normally normally in my brain I don't when I watch it I don't normally actually pick it apart. Like uh, you're, not, so, you're not thinking. Yeah, I'm not really just thinking about. Like, I thought just tell my brain sort of just follow the story. And I'm like oh this is nice. So like a lot of movies that I tend to watch I, I actually like. And then like, and where other people really don't like, and then I watch it again. I'm like, I understand why they don't like it now. <laughs> but it's like, I normally just like just watch it, and I'm like, I try not, try my best not to like pick at anything. Right, yeah. right. Um, I guess that wraps up episode one, guys. Yeah. Holy crap! We finished one episode in I think it's about fifty minutes. Good job. Uh, if you guys like us, we don't know where we're gonna put this on. It might be on YouTube, might be on Spotify, it might be on. So, so if we're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, if we're on Spotify, I guess, is there a subscription Follow. thing? Follow. 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 Uh, so, and if we're on SoundCloud, I guess you can follow us there. If we're just on the iTunes store, <laughs> just subscribe to that as well. Buy our music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We might be releasing a record soon. If we're on What's Patreon, that? please donate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let you know when we make you a Patreon page. Bucks, we'll send you a shirt. We don't have one yet, but we'll make sure that we can go Actually, we, we, five bucks we, is way too... It's way too little. No, no, no. Or shirt. Shipped as well. That'll be That's at least good. 20 bucks. Yeah. At least. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know when we get that Patreon thing settled. I think... <laughs> We, we're on pilot episode. Now. We're already talking about sponsors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to invest in this, let me. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank Jeff today for letting us use his apartment for this episode. Um, hopefully, we'll see Jeff some more. Yeah, um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, Jeff actually subscribes to this afterwards. Um, nothing about. Yeah, maybe pretty pissed if he doesn't. <laughs> um, I never listen podcasts. If you guys, if you guys enjoy this, keep listening. We'll uh, hopefully see you guys soon. Let us know, and we'll set up an email address at some point, and let you know what it is. Or, or Facebook, or Twitter. <laughs> we'll, we'll get contactable. <laughs> Put your number in the comments, and we'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get your opinion on it. <laughs> right, see you guys next time.